friends, welcome to the Church of the Apostles. Thank you for joining us today, wherever you are around the world. We pray that God will use this time to bless you and that the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a personal way today.
Thank you, Seth. Good morning. Blessed Resurrection Sunday. And may the Lord of glory be with you as you gather around your television sets and your computer sets and to worship the risen Lord. Blessed Resurrection Sunday. We miss you, of course, in person. But we know that tens of thousands of people around the world on live streaming and millions are watching through Kingdom Set in the entire world. So we welcome you all, and let's greet one another with the greetings that has the church has used for 2,000 years. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. Thank you. can hear you from here. God bless. Well, we will celebrate with you. And I hope that you're going to be singing with us and that you would involve with us because separation of space makes no difference to heaven. Heaven and God is watching, and He is the one to whom we are performing. That's why we do that every time we worship. We are performing to God, not to each other. And so perform to God in your home with your families and whoever is with you. And then we're going to have a great time of praising and worshiping God. If God has blessed you and you're not one of those people who are impacted by this situation, we ask you to consider making a gift uh, to the church so we support all the 30 ministries that we support on a regular basis outside of these walls as well as these walls. God bless you, and have a blessed Sunday. Jeremy, bring your team. We have our friend Mac with us today. Would you stand as we worship together and glorify our risen King?
Give me all the glory. 
Please pray with me. Our Father, we behold the wondrous mystery of your great love for us. We praise you as our creator and sustainer, our only hope and refuge in life and in death. We thank you for the gift of your Son, who, as we've just sung, made himself nothing, who took on human flesh, humbled himself through obedience to the point of death on the cross, and who was raised to life for our justification. We give praise to you that in your great mercy, you've given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which we celebrate today. Father, though we are imperfect and sinful, we can come before you because of the righteousness of Christ. We thank you for this hope we have in your Son, our risen Savior, who is even now ruling and reigning over all. We praise you for the fact that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in your children. And thank you for the knowledge that he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies because of and through his Spirit who lives in us. Father, thank you for the living hope that we have in and through your Son. Father, though we live as people of hope, today we plead for your mercy. Lord, the world groans this resurrection morning under the weight of this pandemic, and we, your people, groan along with it. Lord, have mercy. We pray for your peace in the middle of this current turmoil. We pray for those suffering from the coronavirus. We pray for healing, for protection, for preservation. Lord, hear our prayers and have mercy. We pray for those medical professionals, both here and around the world, who are working tirelessly, both on behalf of those who suffer and in search of treatment and a cure. We pray for wisdom for government leaders and officials worldwide as they continue to respond to the many and significant challenges being posed by this virus. Father, we pray for your people around the world that we would show your love and mercy in word and deed to our neighbors and community during this time. Lord, have mercy on us today. Father, we thank you for our local body of believers. We pray for our pastor, Michael, and for the ministry team serving in this church. We ask that you would continue to protect them and their families. We pray for the needs of this church, for healing for those who are sick and suffering, for provision for those seeking employment or with financial needs, for your comfort for those who are grieving. Father, during this time in which many are physically separated, may we continue to be bound together in the unity of the Spirit as we wait expectantly for you. Father, again, in this time of fear and confusion, give us your peace. In this time of uncertainty, help us to put our trust in you. Remind us of the life and the hope that we have in your resurrected Son. Remind us, Father, that your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is our portion. Therefore, we will hope in him. And so we can say with the Apostle Paul, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble 
or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For we are convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from Mark, it's chapter 16, verses 1 through 20. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Over the last few weeks, as we've been apart, it's been a joy to still come together and worship from our homes. Our church family has been able to connect and gather with one another despite being separated in person. The ministry of the church continues, and it's important that we all continue to give back from what the Lord has provided to us and support the church even as we worship remotely. So as we enter into a time of worship through giving, there's a giving link on your screen below. And as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord today, let us also remember the words of our Lord who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as a grave and shame a robber and he's gonna take my name oh love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground and love is the power when my freedom song is found there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down There ain't no
I can hear you shouting in homes, praise God, the grave cannot hold us because the grave could not hold him. Thank you, Mac, and thank you for being back at Apostles. We love you and we welcome you. Thank you very much. I know that probably when you heard the Bible being read, you thought, well, this is another Easter sermon. Well, I think after what we've been going through and we've gone through uh, during 2020, 
there can be no just usual Easter sermon again, ever. In addition, of course, to the fact that I've never preached this message in any shape or form before, God laid it so heavy on my heart. And first of all, I'm not going to rehash the fact that uh, this is the very first Easter where Christian believers and possibly in 2,000 years, even in the days of the first century, they were meeting in the catacombs and in homes. But this is probably the first time with the Resurrection Sunday not being celebrated by thousands of people in person. And because of these circumstances that we are going through, I have a simple message. It's a two-word message. Two words. Only two words is going to be the message today. So I want you to focus and concentrate. And if you're taking notes, take them down. Two words you will never forget. These two words are part of the message that the angel sent to the disciples in Mark chapter 16. And the angels said to the Marys and to the women, he said, go and tell the disciples, and here it comes, the two words, and to Peter. And Peter, not two, but and Peter. Uh, let me set the stage first before I get to the message. The tomb was found empty. Jesus is risen from the dead. This is the greatest news of all, especially in the midst of that dreary of painful fear and death and diseases that are surrounding us right now. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that death has been defeated. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that sin has been conquered. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that Satan has been defeated once and for all. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that the grave could no longer hold him. Praise God. He rose from the dead. Hear me right, please. There is no greater news for the disciples of Jesus, whether they were first-century disciples or 21st-century disciples. There is no greater news. But today, as I said, I want to share with you the application of that great news. And it's found, again, part of verse 7. If you have your own Bibles, open them. Verse 7. And... Mark 16, Mark 16, part of verse 7, two words. And the angel said to the women, here it is, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Can you say that with me? I might not be able to hear you, but you can shout it to the set in which you're watching. And Peter, two words. You actually have said those words with me. I could, by faith, hear you. Because wherever you are, those two words are going to mean the world to you as you listen. And then the angel said, well, go to the Galilee. We'll tell him he's going to go to the Galilee ahead of you to meet you. But listen, those two words that I'm focusing on on this Resurrection Sunday are the summary of the good news of the gospel. He <laughs> say. And Peter is the summary, it's the application of the good news of the gospel. How come? 
I'm going to explain it to you because I'm really glad you asked. Most of us would think that the angel would have said to the women, go and tell the disciples, and by the way, stick it to Pontius Pilate and tell him Jesus rose from the dead. Probably we would think that he would say, go and tell the disciples and let King Herod know that Jesus rose from the dead. Or go and tell the disciples, and by the way, go by Caiaphas's house, the high priest, and tell him, you knew that he's going to rise from the dead. He rose from the dead. Or even for the angel to be gracious and would say, go and tell the disciples and John. After all, John is the only disciple who stood at the foot of the cross. He's the only disciple. He did not cut and run like the rest of them. John was the only one who was there at the cross and to be gracious to him and be thankful to him for doing this because God told the disciples and John. But no, it's not John. Why? Beloved, listen to me. This is not a word of indignation. This is not a word of condemnation. This is not a word of uh, even appreciation. It's a word of affection. It's a word of affection. Only words of encouragement. Only words of the second chance. Perhaps there are someone at the sound of my voice, and I know we are watched, not only uh, streaming to the tens of thousands of people, but there are millions of people watching around the world on Kingdom Sat. And you probably sitting there and watching this Easter Sunday message, and you know in your heart you've blown it. I mean, you have blown it big time. You feel that you have sinned beyond redemption, that you have uh, suffered severe setbacks that could never be restored. You feel that you condemned yourself for good. You feel that you have given up on yourself, and you feel that you, that, that, that you just see no way out of your situation. Listen to me. The resurrected Jesus tells everyone who's listening right now or watching right now, telling everyone because of the resurrection, there is a second chance. First, the second chance is irrevocable to the repentant. Irrevocable to the repentant person. Secondly, the second chance is very intimate, very intimate with God. And thirdly, the second chance is very impactful, as we're going to see in the Scripture. Look at those with me, those three things, irrevocable, intimate, impactful. The second chance that the resurrected Jesus gives every one of us, every repentant individual, every repentant man or woman, every repentant boy or girls, the, 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 the second chance that He gives us is irrevocable when we repent. In fact, this second chance is irrevocable as the resurrection itself is irrevocable. For if there are no resurrection, there would have been no gospel. And if there were no gospel, there would have been no forgiveness of sins. And if there were no forgiveness of sins, we would be doomed for, to a life of misery and eternal suffering. But thank God that is not the case. 
there are two words, only two words, that gives everyone at the sound of my voice great hope, great hope to know that there is in the resurrected Jesus a second chance. And Peter. Can you say it with me? And Peter. And I can hear you physically, but I can hear you in the Spirit. Say it again. And Peter. The natural way for Peter to think after denying his Lord and Savior and friend Jesus three times, the natural way to think, a lot of people think that way too. The Lord is going to disown me now. The Lord is going to reject me now for good. The Lord is going to abandon me for good. The Lord would have nothing to do with me after what I have done. He would have every right not to do anything with me, not to have anything to do with me. He can never use me again. Ah, that's what we do, right? That's what we do to people when they wrong us. But no, the power of Jesus' resurrection assures every repentant sinner of the second chance. Oh, God, our God is the God of a second chance, and a third chance, and a thousand chance, and a million chances. In fact, you see this throughout the Scripture. You see it even in the Old Testament. I'm going to explain to you why the resurrection cemented it. It is finally established in the resurrection of Jesus. But you see it because that's the nature of God. That's the nature of God. When it came for God to choose someone to save Israel from the slavery of Egypt, he got an ex-con. He got a man who was murdered another man, but he was repentant by the name of Moses. The second chance is irrevocable. When the man of God, David, whose heart after God's own heart, who caused the killing of another man and took his wife. You see him in Psalm 51, crying buckets. God gives him a second chance. Jonah went exactly in the opposite direction for where God told him to go. But when he repented inside that whale, God gave him a second chance. And the Bible says that after Peter denied Jesus three times, he wept bitterly. Listen to me. The weeping and the repentance was not wasted on Jesus. It was not wasted in Jesus. Your repentance is never wasted on Jesus. Can you imagine Peter's elation when the women came and said to him, Peter, the angel mention you by name. <laughs> Peter, the Lord wants you to meet him in Galilee. Peter, uh, he loves you by name. <laughs> and he told us to tell you by name. Peter, you're still dear and near to the heart of Jesus. Peter, Jesus saw the brokenness of your heart and the heat of your tears. <laughs> Well, the second chance is irrevocable. It is not offered willy-nilly to everyone. No, no, it's not. Only to those who repent. Repentance has to take place. Judas sold Jesus 
with 30 pieces of silver. It is not any bigger sin than the sin of Peter, who denied Jesus, no. But unlike Peter, Judas allowed his pride to take hold of him. Uh, instead of repenting, he allowed his pride and his self uh, take over, and he did not receive the second chance. The second chance is irrevocable to the repentant person. Jesus, Judas did not get it. He didn't get it. The rich young ruler did not get it, for he was sorrowful, but not repentant. Pontius Pilate did not get it because Pontius Pilate had some regrets. He washed his hands. He was outwardly trying to kind of backtrack, but he was not repentant, and he did not receive the second chance. The second chance is for men and women, boys and girls who are watching right now. It is for them who are like Peter, recognize their sin, confess their sin, repent of their sin. Himerat, please, this is important. There are a lot of people who get filled with remorse after they've done the wrong thing, especially if they get caught and become public. But only repentance provides a second chance. Not remorse, repentance. This is the good news on this Resurrection Sunday. This is the great news on this Resurrection Sunday. And Peter, say it again, and Peter. The angel said, go and tell the disciples, and who? I can hear you, Peter. Regardless of how deep you may have descended, regardless of how far you may have traveled, the resurrection day, this resurrection day, you can come home. Come home to Jesus. Come home to Jesus. There is a second chance for you, because the second chance is not only irrevocable, but it's very intimate. It's very intimate, very personalized. It's not a blanket like we say in the South, y'all come. <laughs> Maybe that's the invitation. You all come, but then you have to repent on the coming. Now, the Lord Jesus singles us individually. He doesn't speak to masses of people. I don't have anybody here in this building, but, but I I'm, I'm, no, I'm talking to millions of people right now. But you see, I don't know you. I know some of you by name, but I don't know all of you by name. But Jesus does. He speaks to you by name. He knows you by name. He deals with you by name. He saved you by name. <laughs> he forgives you by name. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 3, He said, My sheep I call by name. And that is why the angel sent the message to Peter, by name, by name. Something else I don't want you to miss here. I want you to notice that the angel did not use Peter's old name, Simon, or Cephas, as you were known in the Greek, Simon Peter. You see, he uses the new name that Jesus gave him, Petros, the rock. <laughs> you see, when Jesus first met Peter, he was just Simon the fisherman. That's who he was. 
But after Peter confessed, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, meaning that you're the only way to the Father, you're the only way to heaven, you're the Messiah, you're the only hope for mankind, and says upon that confession, that is the confession, that is the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ is built, not Peter himself. God, the Lord Jesus uses the symbolism by the rock of the confession that he made. I'm going to change your name in a symbolic way and call you the rock, Petros. And if Jesus was saying, as if he's saying to him, Peter, I'm going to change your name, and I'm going to change your heart to symbolize that incredible confession that only God the Father revealed it to you. You could never have picked it up. None of us could pick it up until the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Listen to me. There is more important in this statement than you can pick on it very quickly because we know our Catholic friend says that Jesus built the church on Peter. No, no, no. Peter was flawed like the rest of us. He wouldn't build his church on a, a failed man or a man who can fail like all of us. No, no, no. He built on the confession, the rock. That's the confession. Think with me. Put yourself in Peter's place. You have failed miserably, <laughs> but Jesus still believes in you. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. Think of how an employee who knows deep down in his or her heart that the boss believes in him or her. Just think about how hard they're going to work. Think of an athlete who knows deep down that the coach believes in him. Watch him in the field. He's going to work his heart out. Or a son and daughter who know deep down that mommy and daddy believes in them. Oh, they will go to second mile. You don't have to ask them. And here, our precious Lord Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, I believe in you. Peter, I saw your tears, Peter. Peter, I recognized your brokenness over your failure. Second chance is always deeply personalized. It can't be done in masses. It's one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord. Here's something else that I don't want you to miss. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. He persecuted the church. He was a religious zealot and fanatic, and he wanted to destroy Christianity. He had no time for Jesus, certainly didn't have any time for his followers. And that is why the resurrected Jesus had to appear to him one-on-one -on, -one on the road to Damascus. That same Paul, the same one, the same one, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 5, after the Lord, uh, the risen Lord appeared to him, he said, here's what he said, he said that in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 15, after our Lord rose from the dead, he was seen by Cephas, that's Simon Peter, that's Peter, 
then by the twelve. In other words, when our Lord rose from the dead, He went looking for Simon Peter. Why Peter? Because there was something that is so intimate, and there are some things that are so intimate in our lives that can only take place when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. It has to be done personally. Peter thought he was finished. Peter thought he was done for. Peter thought that he was history. But no. The Bible tells us that he went on that intimate meeting with Peter. Why? Because there's some things that are just so private. They're so private. Cannot be dealt with publicly. I, I was talking about private confessions versus none. We had a visitor here, a wonderful man uh, from a Roman Catholic background, and he said, I thought that uh, uh, confession has to go to a priest or you know, there's no such thing as just confession between you and God. And, and I began to explain to him, there are some things where the Holy Spirit confronts us one-on-one. -on -one. Some things are so private. Some things are so intimate in our walk with God that He had to confront Him individually. Not only sent the message through the angel, but He had to confront Him individually. We can only speculate, of course. We can only imagine what that conversation was like. And, uh, you know me, I'm always kind of trying to imagine things, and I wonder what it was like. I wonder what it was like. And, 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 and what did the Lord would have said to Peter in that confront, in that in intimate, intimate con encounter with him? Oh, Peter, I've seen your bitter tears. Peter, I've seen your sobs. Peter, I heard your broken words that were halting, coming out from quivering lips. You say, Michael, well, how do you know that this may have happened? I'm glad you asked. Because many of us, I dare say some of you who are watching, many of us have been there. I have been there. I, for one, have experienced many times the incredible, indescribable grace of God pouring into my life in the times when I felt the least, the least deserving it. I guess that's why it's called grace. That encounter with Peter must have been so tender and so intimate encounter. This encounter must have been a moment of amazing grace. This encounter must have been overwhelming, loving forgiveness. Imagine with me. When you see someone whom you have wounded deeply, someone you wounded, whether you intentionally or non-intentionally, but you wounded that person, and you may have actually wounded that person publicly. He's a dear friend, a family member, and you wounded them. Imagine how powerful it is when that person sees you, he comes and he embraces you. Imagine how painful it was for Peter to wound 
his friend and his master, his Lord Jesus. Imagine how painful it is for him to look and see wounded love in the marks of the nails. Imagine. Imagine how painful it was for Peter to later have have that encounter with the risen Christ in public with the other disciples after Peter denied him three times. Oh, what a tender Lord we have. What a gracious Lord we have. What a loving master that we have. Oh, what a merciful Jesus we have. Beloved, there are some people at the sound of my voice right now who have experienced loving encounters with Jesus. I know some of you personally. I know I have. But perhaps there is that person who had never had that loving encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, today is the day. This Resurrection Sunday is your day to have a loving encounter with the living God. He wants to have an encounter with you. Will you come to Him? You can do that today. You may be carrying old guilt. You may be carrying old scars, deep scars in your life. You may be carrying painful, painful memories. You may be carrying some old, huge burdens. You may have been feeling so unworthy. You may be guilt-stricken about something that happened long time ago, and Satan convinced you that your guilt is beyond redemption, that your life is is the life of guilt is inevitable. You shut him up and tell him, the risen Christ wants to have an encounter with me. Or you may be a person who has suffered abuse. Oh, my goodness, I met so many people who experienced abuse growing up. And you, in your heart of heart, unable to forgive the abuser. You may have experienced something in the past that is so dreadful that you are unable to forgive God for allowing that to happen in your life. You love the Lord, but you still have that hang-up. Now, I want to testify to you. I only do that for the glory of Jesus, that I have been in much worse situation than you can even imagine. But it was my encounter with the risen Christ that brought me forgiveness, that brought me healing, that brought me restoration, that brought me power for living and power to serve and power to minister. Oh, the second chance is irrevocable for the repentant. The second chance is very intimate and individualized to you, 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 you alone. But thirdly, the second chance is very impactful, very impactful. (laughs) That encounter with the resurrected Jesus was so impactful, was so transforming of Peter's life that he was never the same. Listen, (laughs) when people say, how does it feel 
ask me, as I travel the globe, and many of you who are watching have met me in different parts of the world, or, or, or not, but I have people every now and again, they will come to me and they say, how does it feel, even right now as I'm talking, you're speaking to millions of people around the world, how does that feel? I want you to listen carefully to the answer. <laughs> it's very important. Because I immediately think of the Michael who was a rebellious teenager. I immediately think of the Michael who was a damaged good, spiritually speaking. I immediately think of the Michael's helpless failures of the past. I immediately think of the guilt-laden conscience of my past. I immediately think of the time of my defection from the faith in the past. At that moment, I begin to praise God. I begin to bless the name of the Lord for the second chance that He gave me and the many chances since. Look at the transformation of Peter's life. He went from being a denier of his Lord to a fearless proclaimer of his Lord. In the book of Acts, we're told on the day of Pentecost, he stood up and gave this magnificent sermon. 3,000 people came to Christ, and he said to them, he said, we cannot but speak of what we have seen. Later on, when he was beaten and imprisoned, we see him saying how grateful he was to be considered worthy to suffer for his Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's the power of the second chance of the resurrected Jesus, and he can give it to you today, today, today. These two words, and Peter. Say them again, and Peter. These two words speak volumes because they are really the application of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Flawed human beings like me, like all of us, we are inclined to remember the one single wrong thing that a person does, and we forget all the good things that they've done. Isn't that true? We forget all the other good things. Perhaps if I was sending that announcement or you sending that announcement that the angel was sending, and he said, go and tell the disciples, forget about Peter. Huh. He denied me three times. But not with the Lord Jesus. Not with the Lord Jesus. He loves you with everlasting love. The message that he gave to the angel, he said, tell the disciples and to and Peter. I want you to do something for me right now, wherever you are. I hope that you have a Bible in front of you, and if you don't, that's fine. So, as you're looking at the screen, as you're watching, I want you to say aloud, even if there are five or six or seven or eight or ten or a dozen people sitting in the room, say it aloud. Every, every one of you, say it aloud. And say, and then insert your own first name. Okay? Let's do it. And insert your name. Michael. Bob. Sue. Jane. Just insert your name. And if you can, you're not going to 
be blasphemous, just come under the word Peter and put your own name in your Bible. So you'll never forget that you included in this invitation. Now, can you hear your name? I want to do it again. And your name. That's what Jesus is telling you right now. And you, by name. Oh, what an impact those two words had on the life of the Apostle Peter. What a transformation it had on his life. Peter was about to be crucified. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't crucify me like my Lord. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve that. Crucify me upside down. What transformation. What transformation. When Jesus was trying to explain to the hard-headed audience that he was speaking to, particularly in Luke chapter 15, he was speaking to hard-headed, some very well-known scholars at the time, and speaking to this audience that, that, that could not understand the concept of the love of God, and he wanted to communicate to them something so deep about the, the, the heart of the Father. He said, there was a Father, there was a Father who had a son, who insulted him, who humiliated him, and then left him. But when that son returned home, he found the father. I'm sorry, I can't help it. He found the father with open arms. Welcome home. My beloved friends, on this Resurrection Sunday, the father has his arm wide open because of Jesus and because of what Jesus did on the cross. Would you run into his open arms right now? Run into his open arms. This Resurrection Sunday, scattered as we are, remind us afresh that our God is the God of the second chances. And he's offering that second chance to you right now by name, by name. Whatever your name is, he's offering to you by name. Every repentant sinner is offered that second chance. Job, with all of his pain, he was restored double time. Abraham, with his lying to Pharaoh, and trying to hurry up God's plan and giving us Ishmael. He was called a friend of God. Jonah, with his running away, led the greatest revival known in history. David, who had blown it big time, when he repented, his heart became after God's own heart. Thomas, the doubtful Thomas, the doubting Thomas, with all of his doubt, Thomas ended up being martyred, but not before establishing the church in India, the church of Martoma. Uh, John Mark, who expressed cowardness and frustrated the apostle Paul, died a martyr's death, but not until he established the church that I, my ancestors belonged to in the church of Alexandria in Egypt. John and James, who had dreams of grandeur and greatness, one died a martyr, and the other one was exiled in Patmos. Both accomplished 
great things for God. Oh, yes, listen, the second chance is very impactful on your life. The second chance is transformable. Transfer your life for good. It, it transforms your life. It is powerful. The question is, will you accept it? Will you seek it? And then it's offered to you. I know that because God's Word on it. Will you accept it? Anyone who has failed miserably in the past can hear the voice of Jesus saying, and insert your name. Insert your name. The Lord wants to insert your name in this verse. Thank God for the second chance, for it is irrevocable, it is intimate, and it is impactful. And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you heard the gospel message maybe for the first time, and you want to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive all my sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that his death on the cross was died for me. I thank you that he rose again from the dead so that it can demonstrate and can prove that I too will rise with him. Come into my life now. Or if you're a believer who have wandered away from God, I, I, I want to tell you, come home. Come home. He's waiting for you. Not with words of condemnation, but He's waiting for you with welcoming words. Repent. Turn to the Lord, for He loves you. Father, I thank You. I thank You for the second chance and the third chance and the many chances You've given me. I thank You for Your forgiveness. I thank You for the joy. I thank you for the privilege of serving you. And we pray that you bless your people, wherever they may be right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us in responding to the goodness forgiveness that's offered through Jesus.
Easter. We'll see you soon. Thank you for being part of our worship today. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us and tell us about what God is doing in your life. If you are in the Atlanta area, we hope that you can visit us in person. I'd love to shake your hands. May God bless you today and throughout the week.